<clears throat> Welcome to the Blue Note, everybody. This episode, I'll be talking to also, who is a percussionist of Grammy Award-winning Mexican-American bands, La Santa Cecilia, named after the patron saint of music. Am I right? That's right. Okay. And to give you all a genre would be like doing them a disservice because they're like Latino soul with like elements of rock and cumbia and sometimes tango, bossa nova. And they're great. They're so humble. Full disclosure, I work with them, but like I love them, so who cares? Right. This is about music. So that's what that's what we're here to do. And I wanted to talk to also specifically because you're always obviously in the back because you're doing your drum thing. But I feel like you're such a special individual. And so I wanted to get to know you and I wanted everybody else to get to know you, too. Awesome. Thank you. Where were you born and raised? I was born in Orange County, California in 1979, a few miles from Disneyland. And then I lived the first two, three years of my life in Fullerton, California. And we moved to a town called Walnut, California, where my godfather owned a ranch. We lived on the ranch for quite a while. And then my family ended up buying a house there in the same town in Walnut when my godfather sold the ranch. Also, were you a farm kid? Did you have to, like, milk cows and stuff? Yeah, since I was a kid. I mean, even my parents old town, we didn't have to milk the cows, but we definitely helped to do that. And then we had all kinds of farm animals. I had a horse. We had everything. Chickens, ducks, pigs. <laughs> in California? Yeah, yeah, in Southern California. It used to be a lot of, like, you know, orange groves and rolling hills in that area. So that's kind of how I grew up. But, yeah, I loved it. Also, first of all, I just want you to know that because I'm from New York City, I came to Wisconsin, and this was the first time I'd seen a cow, like, up close. <laughs> and I milked that bad boy, and I was like, okay, that is the last time I'll ever do that. But there are children out here who wake up at 5 in the morning and do their farm thing. So, wow. That's where you oh, learned yeah, your yeah. discipline right there because that's crazy. We, it was it was beautiful. It was a lot of freedom. I used to hunt with, <laughs> like, a pelican stuff and, you know, roam around freely for days on days on end when I was a kid. So it was a lot of fun. But time out. Who were you playing with? Because if you live in a ranch, you don't have next-door neighbors. Oh, no, no. There was we, So on the ranch, there were three other families from the same hometown as my parents so we all lived together so it was like a little i don't know a little ta my parents town called atoyac so it was like a little atoyac jalisco in southern california ah i see and so did your parents come directly from mexico yeah they came to Mex from to the states in like 1970 gotcha have you ever felt like growing up that duality of being like both mexican and american and did it impact you either in a negative or positive way when you're a kid you don't really know but as you you know you start getting well i guess more so interacting with people here in the states and you realize that you're not like them you know in our homes you know like i said we lived in that community in a little ranch with three other people from my parents hometown so all we knew was my parents hometown their customs their tradition their culture the way that they were and you know so it was very strange for me when i was in elementary school it took a lot of me to kind of like make friends and, and open myself up because all i knew was was that so I think once I did start opening myself up to American culture, then, you know, I got into sports, I got into football, mm -hmm. into music, into different shows that my friends were watching, into hip-hop and all mm -hmm. that stuff, you know. It was, it was awesome when I did get into it, but it was, I also grew up in a very diverse community, so I have friends from everywhere, from all over the world, really. Was Spanish your first language? Yeah, Spanish was my first language, and then my next-door neighbor, when we lived in Fullerton, only spoke English, so I would play with him every day. So basically, I grew up bilingual by the time I was three or four years old, I guess. Dang, that's convenient as hell. Because having to go to kindergarten, not knowing English is, woo, it's Yeah, well, tough. they still, you know, they still put us in ESL classes. Well, they put me in ESL classes of course. when I was, like, in third grade. Of course. Can you talk a little bit about what got you into music in the first place? Yeah, definitely, without a doubt, it was my older brother, Frank, who's 
six, seven years older than me. And he was a crazy dude, man. He was like listening to Santana and Zeppelin and, and The Doors, Rush, all this mm-hmm. kind of, you know, Bob Marley and stuff. And, and he, you know, he was, in, he was dabbling and experimenting with psychedelics and stuff like that. So, right. you know, he would be like, hey, check, check this out, man. Check out this band. Check out this thing. And, and we shared a room. So he would turn up the music really loud. And, and honestly, I hated it. Like, I, I, right. I, could, I didn't like music because he would just play it so loud all the time or whatever. But then I started getting into it. I started really liking the music and how it made me feel. And this was around 12, 13, 14, and 15. And I think around that time, like, I was just very, like, introverted in my feelings. And music was the thing that really kind of, like, allowed me to connect and understand what, what I was feeling, what I was living. And so what I ended up hating, I ended up falling completely in love with. And then I started, you know, really getting into Santana, Bob Marley. And just my brother had this drum there, this old drum. And I just started following along, playing on, on you know, with records to it. Mm-hmm. And when I was 16, my dad got me my first pair of uh, bongo. And then when I was 17, I graduated from high school and he got me a, a set of congas. And then that's all I would do for hours on it every day. So you kind of became obsessed with it. Did you ever take any classes for it or did, was it self-taught? Oh, no, at the beginning, yeah, it was all self-taught. Then I took a lesson while I was working on this album at the studio. I met this guy, I took a lesson, and then I went to Cal State LA and I studied Afro-Latin music, and I went to Cuba and I studied percussion. And then from there, I took various lessons with the teachers at school in mm-hmm. Cuba, and then I, I would just practice all the time. And Simon, also, back it on up. You were recording an album on your own? Oh, no, no, no. I was actually recording an album with uh, the lead singer of La Santa Cecilia with Marisol. We used to play in another, like, a rock and espanol band that I hated. I didn't like the band. Mm-hmm. But they asked me to be a part of it, and that's how I met Marisol, and we were recording that album. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. So as you're developing your obsession for playing, like, the percussion instruments, what did you envision for yourself? Like, where did you want to end up? Um, Did you want to be part of a band? Like, what did you want to do with that skill eventually? Yeah, definitely. That was, like, a huge thing for me because music has such an impact on me and various groups and artists and what they stood for. And to them, to the, art, the artists that I looked up to, music was, was like a spiritual thing to them it was their connection to to other people and and it was their their way to communicate their message to the world so you know artists like bob marley or santana or john coltrane that really inspired me to want to do music with my life right so that's all that's kind of like the path that i followed was artists like that and i envisioned being in a band where i was able to do something similar so yeah i always wanted to be a part of a band i didn't i didn't really want to be like the hired gun guy Right. didn't want to do that, even though, you know, I was respected a lot of guys that did that, but I always wanted to be a part of a band. And so for me, it was always like, you know, I was always joining bands and then looking for another band to play in that fulfilled what I wanted to do with music. Mm-hmm. Would you ever go up on stage by yourself? Uh, no, I mean, I was, I'm there. I, I don't, you know, that, I save that for the guys that are like <laughs> ridiculously good that, you know, I admire. I, I don't really feel like I, I've done it before where, you, you know, you go on stage and you perform a solo piece mm-hmm. or whatever, but... It's not really my thing. I like playing music with people, you know what I mean? That's mm-hmm. what makes me happy and, and the communication that happens between musicians while they're on stage and, and that magic that happens. That, that's what turns me on about music. It, it's not really like a thing where I, I just want to go up there and play my everything that I know how to play and try to impress people or whatever. I just kind of like being in the groove with people and, and the magic that happens in that moment. When you're writing songs, speaking of which, do you feel comfortable being vulnerable in that space of like having to write things that are really happening? Because I know you guys write collaboratively, but do you ever feel like it's too much or do you feel already comfortable being in that vulnerable space? 
Yeah, I think it's the the vulnerability is a is an essential part of of being able to be honest with mm-hmm. what you're doing and mm-hmm. any, any kind of communication or communicating an emotion to someone just through a conversation. You have to be vulnerable to be able to do it, and especially in music, you have to be vulnerable enough to allow yourself to open up that part of yourself that's going to ex- not expose but communicate that feeling or that thought or the idea or the emotion or whatever. So yeah, definitely. I mean, you it's, that's just one of the things that I think that most artists or musicians feel is they all have that that sensibility at least the really good ones you know have that sensibility mm-hmm. to get to that part of themselves where where they can be honest with people and, and that's the most difficult part but yeah. that's the the most special part too you know is that honesty I think. has there ever been a time where maybe you may have been grappling with something but when it came down to put it on on in music it became too difficult well yeah i think when we when we wrote the song El yellow which was which mm-hmm. is a very personal story because Pepe was undocumented at the time. Right. That was really scary because we didn't know if the exposure that was going to happen to that song was going to end up getting him. him deported. Yeah. So we were very scared for that, but he was like also very adamant about sharing a story because so much of our friends that were, were part of the Dream Act, they were called, you know, they're called Dreamers. Yep. And so that that was such a huge deal for us. And he was just like, if they're coming out of the shadows and proclaiming that they are undocumented in this country but fighting for their rights, then I'm going to do the same thing. So we fully supported him, and that was a scary moment for sure, but, you know, it ended up working out for the best. The songs that are most vulnerable, put you in the most vulnerable position, oftentimes work the best. Because that example, I mean, El Hielo's so powerful. It's like you watch the video, literally, and it, you choke up. Does it cause the same effect on you? Yeah, I think... Well, not necessarily when I'm listening to the song, like on the radio or whatever, but more so when we're performing it and then you you, you make eye contact with someone in the front row or something and they're in tears, then, then yeah, you know. And, and Marisol's a very emotional person also. Yeah. So when she sings, you know, there's a lot of times she's singing through tears. So it's like, it is very difficult to witness sometimes and experience because there's so much pain happening. But at the same time, you know, the, the song's communicating such a strong message that makes people feel understood. So there's a lot of healing that goes on too. So yeah, there's a lot of pain and a lot of healing. And, and yeah, you choke up sometimes. It's really difficult to, you know, not just like break out in full-blown tears and you have to keep playing and performing. And it's hard, and it, but it's also the, one of the most beautiful things ever because, you know, what else has that power besides music to be able to do that? Right. And ultimately, I would assume it's therapeutic on your end. Yeah, it is right? because, you know, when, yeah, when we wrote the song, we didn't even realize how much of that stuff we live because it's such a normal part of our lives to know that, mm-hmm. oh, you know, we would get a call at 2, 3 in the morning and one of my uncles would be crossing the border and we'd have to go pick him up or, right. you know, stuff like that. And, and it was it was crazy, but it's just such a part of your life. You don't realize it or someone getting deported. Well, two of my cousins have gotten deported just a few months before the song was written. So Wow. It's, it's a huge deal, but again, like we don't realize how much of an issue it is because we live it every day. So it's, that struggle just becomes a part of who you are. But when we wrote the song, we realized just how much those mm. kind of things affect our whole community, not just us. Right. Can you tell me or talk about a little bit about how you guys got together and how La Santa Cecilia became the band that it is today? Marisol and I met playing in a band when we were like 18 and 19. I quit the band. Marisol actually got kicked out of that band, which Ooh. is hilarious. And then Marisol and Pepe knew each other from, I think, since they were like 15 years old. They met on Olvera Street playing boleros and rancheras and mm-hmm. for tourists and people in the restaurants and stuff. So they knew each other. And then 
I met Alex playing salsa gigs around town, and we also went to Cal State LA together, so we would see each other, like, in the hallway, and mm -hmm. he was really shy. He was super-duper shy, and so Alex came to see La Santa Cecilia in its really, like, initial stages before it was really La Santa Cecilia, La Santa Cecilia, at mm -hmm. Overstreet, at a gig he came, and and we invited him to play bass, and he said yes. Yeah. So we just kind of, but we all really met just playing, being working musicians around town, playing traditional music, playing funk, playing jazz, playing boleros, rancheras, right. salsa, merengue, all that stuff. We were we would work doing that stuff. So we also, you know, we kind of got tired of just being like this band that's in the background. And and a lot of times, even when you're doing salsa gigs, which is like such a, a lively kind of involved music. Mm -hmm. You know, as soon as the band would stop playing, they play the DJ. It's like if there was no difference. It's like if there wasn't even musicians on stage sometimes, mm, you know. I see. Especially here in L.A. because obviously the salsa culture is very different in New York City and right. Miami and all that right. stuff, right? But So we were we kind of just like had these epiphanies where we all wanted to just do our own thing and do original music and, and use all the styles of music that we were playing around the city to create our own original band. And so, you know... In L.A., there's a, there's a huge tradition of bands that make styles of music, and we love that, like Oso Motley, Los Lobos, mm -hmm. The Doors, The Chili Peppers. These are all bands that make all these different styles. That really turned us on, and we wanted to do something similar, you know? Yeah, I was going to ask you, because like I said earlier, you guys are not confined to one specific genre. So what genre would you say you fall under? It's crazy, because we have such a love for traditional music, like we recorded on the album Amari Vivi. Mm -hmm. But we also have this thing where, I don't know if it's kind of growing up on like the iPod shuffle generation or whatever, yeah. but it's traditionally based music from Latin America mixed with rock, jazz, mm -hmm. funk, soul. Soul, yeah. Um, and then it's just something very natural to us. Like when we sit down to write music, we don't think like, oh, I'm going to write in English or I'm going to write mm -hmm. in Spanish. It's just melody and lyrics start coming out, but we never think about how they're going to come out. It's just whatever language they do come out, then that's how the song comes out. So, And it's just like any other person who grows up bilingual, right. bicultural, that, you know, they have that thing where it's just like, well, however you want to express yourself and however that comes out, and that's how the music comes out. And it's the same kind of process for us creatively. Right. I think, yeah, I think it speaks to the duality of being Mexican-American or Latino-American or being both from there, but also from here. And then just being because you are both. So you're just expressing that naturally and it comes across in the music. Yeah, I, yeah it's not a really a thing like being Mexican-American and that maybe that's the style of music that we play. But even saying that, that's like, man, the spectrum for what that could be is huge, you know? Right. Truths, truths. And you guys cover a lot of grounds. And a lot of genres. So, yes, yeah. I, I myself have a hard time uh, when, you know, people ask, what genre? Uh, can't tell you. You have to listen. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But it's great. Okay, so you guys have won a Grammy. You've collaborated with some big-name artists as well. You've reached the top 10 chart on the Billboard list. Do you feel fulfilled? Do you feel happy? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's more so like a childhood dream. I just remember dreaming about being able to be a professional musician and mm -hmm. being in the same, considered in the same category as these people that you admire because these people had so much to do with, that we looked up to, had so much to do with, with our identity of who we are. The dignity that they showed about who they were for their culture, their, you know, as mm -hmm. people, as humans, and what they represented was such a big deal, you know, for mm -hmm. us. So, so to be able to be in that place now is very super fulfilling and to know that, that our dreams came true is, man like what else can can you hope for in life to you know that right. a vision you had as a, as a young person became something real and so to be able to be considered and you know amongst my peers that i admire is a huge it's a huge honor for me as a musician 
And I know for my bandmates, it's the same. So we feel very happy. We feel very fulfilled to be able to say that we are La Santa Cecilia from Los Angeles. And, and what that represents to many people is, is mm-hmm. a huge honor for us. What is your ultimate goal? Because you're still on your journey. So, like, what is the ultimate? Did that. This is it. No, I think for, for us is to continue to grow and evolve as, as artists, really. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And to be able to have, you know, that success where we're able to live from the things that we do and, and flourish and, and be successful, of course. But to be able to write songs that continue to evolve with our life and to be able to continue to grow in that way, to be better songwriters, to be better musicians, to be able to give a better show. And for us as artists, I think it's just being able to continue to be honest and to create art that's relevant for people. And, and hopefully the, the message and the music continues to expand and evolve worldwide. And I think that's a big goal for us because, you know, I was reading the other day that it's not about like it's not an egotistical thing, but it's always about the goal that you set forward. So it's, so the things that we do and the things that we have to do are so that our goal, which is to make the best music possible, can continue. You know, and so that's mm-hmm. I think that's what the goal is for us. You know, that was beautiful. Also, that touched me right oh, on the zone. What would you say is the biggest challenge or the hardest part about being part of the music industry or being in a band? Well, I think being in a band period is just like any other relationship that you go through. And people think it's like the super only magically magical experience where you experience nothing but amazing, mind-blowing things all the time. But it's like any other relationship. you got to put in the kind of work that you would in any kind of relationship. It definitely is a marriage. And the key to, to that is is understanding one another, communicating with one another, and evolving with mm-hmm. one another you know i think we're at the point in our band where we realize that we need we need each other you know in, in so many different ways and you know that we still have something to say as a band that's great as far as the music industry is concerned it's, it's a very difficult industry to stomach for a lot of people you know it's not easy Mm-mm. but like i said the thing is that you have to have a goal and your your intentions have to be something aside from the music industry you know like i said my my intentions as a musician are to communicate something spiritual to people that they can benefit from so to me like i do what i have to do so that that can continue so i can't let the politics of the music industry or whatever deter me from completing that that goal that i have you know there's so much noise in the music industry and there's so many trends and things that people assume that you need to live up to in order to uh, stay uh, at the top of mind or you know like there's just so much going on all the time there's so much noise and I think what really sets you guys apart is that you are raw and authentic and do your own thing no matter what's going on around you how do you block that noise like how do you separate <laughs> yourself from that you know yeah it's, that's hard man because you know everybody's unfortunately especially now with social media and stuff like everybody's constantly comparing themselves to other people like even if even the strongest people yep. do it you know but um i think that you have to like you said try your best to be authentic and sincere and honest in what you're doing and not see what you're doing as part of like a trend you know for at least for us you know it's such, it's such an important thing to to represent our our culture and who we are and where we come from because there's there's millions of young people just like us who are trying to figure themselves out. Yep. That when people, you know, you hear you hear the, the the saying thrown around, "Oh, for the culture, for the culture, for the culture," but a lot of the time, that for the culture thing is such a disposable thing. You know, it's like of the moment, it's a trend, it's yes. a whatever. But if you want to leave something that's that's lasting, that's 
going to, you know, outlive us, then we have to, we have to try to dig deep in terms of, you know, who we are and what we're going to offer to, to our people. And I think that that's such a big thing for us that, you know, we want to, we want to do the best we can and we want to offer the best music that we possibly can, but we also want to try to, you know, make sure that, that there's a, thir- a 13-year-old person sitting in their room right now trying to figure out what, what they're going to do, who they are, or whatever. That if they find some sort right. of inspiration from what we do, then it's all worth it, you know. Because I find a lot of kids today, especially in, like, Latino or minority communities, don't know themselves, right? You were, you made a great point. Did you struggle with that growing up? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, growing up and, you know, after, I remember, like, after high school, between, like, like 18 and 21 there was a moment where yeah you feel sometimes well at least for me at that moment i i felt lost i was i was trying to find out exactly how i saw myself where i fit in the world really searching to find my voice so mm-hmm. and also the, the you know the hardest thing for that is is finding the confidence in what you're feeling to be able to communicate what you're feeling so you know it, that's why I love music so much because music helped me identify what i was feeling what i was going through and also I remember going to to Mexico to visit my family because I just I was going through that period again, and then you know having my family be so loving and embracing and and I remember my family my cousin would be like oh let's go let's go contract these musicians and they'll come sing to the house and and I remember my family kind of like without me telling them that I was like sad or depressed or whatever kind of you know like they would they would ask for certain songs and they would be like oh your dad used to listen to this song when when he was going through something and. And, like, through music and culture and my family, like, I, I gained such a strong sense of, of who I am. And so, you know, that's what that's one of the biggest, you know, impulsors I have in my life to keep going with music is because of that. That's, that's how strong and important music can be to someone that, you know, it, it shows you who you are. And I think, you know, for me, you know, I went through that hard time, but, but music was the thing that kind of kept me, kept me going, you know. Totally. Dang. Sorry. <laughs> okay, what advice would you give someone who's trying to start a band? If you had to say one thing and leave them with one thing, what would it be? Practice. <laughs> okay, well, there it is. <laughs> no, 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 honestly, it's just, I, I, you have to set your intentions before you're, you're going to do something, you know? And especially, you know, <laughs> like for us in the Mexican community, you know, we're like, no matter how good you are, like, we still get criticized yep. for so many things and we get judged and, oh, man, you know, there's, not mexican enough or whatever or it's not latino enough or it's not american enough or whatever so we always get criticized for so much of what we do but i think the raw intention that you have is going to reflect on like i heard a quote the other day that said you know the way you do one thing is the way you do everything so mm. I, I think that that you know for us it's so important to be as good as we can as musicians on stage in the studio we're not perfect we're not the greatest but we always try to show the best of ourselves on right. stage and in, in whatever we do so i think that's really that's really a, an important thing you know and then have an idea of why you actually want to be in a band right do you want to be in a band to get groupies to get fame to do this or do you want to do it for a reason that's going to surpass you know your own your own idea of what you think that's supposed to be or even the honeymoon phase right because i'm sure that there's like a honeymoon phase of being in a band oh yeah and and fun you know what i mean and then it gets real and it's like oh i have to remember (laughs) why i wanted to do this in the first place 
Exactly, exactly. Like you have to, to review your wedding vows once in a while. You know? Right. <laughs> like, hold on. Serenity now. Right, exactly. How are you able to have a personal life with a musician's lifestyle? And I'm only asking this because I know that there's a lot of up-and-coming artists or musicians who are going to have to learn how to balance that. And so what has been your, what are your best practices in terms of figuring out how to do this? Man, that's a, that's a that's a difficult question because it changes. But I think for me now, the you know, just my family and friends that I have in my life are, are people that that increase the quality of my life. You know, mm-hmm. whether it's people in the music industry or just my friends or my musician friends that I hang out with mm-hmm. are all people that, that understand. One, they understand me. And then two, they understand my lifestyle, you know. Right. Uh, like my partner, she's very understanding of my lifestyle because she understands why I do music. So there's, it, it can be very difficult at times because you're away from home a lot and all mm-hmm. that stuff. But it's also just, it just depends on, on you and how much, you know, what you value and, and what you look forward to. Like when I'm home, I just, I live a really simple life. I hang out with my buddy and my girl and, and we just do just fun stuff. Things that make us happy and feel fulfilled and I live a super normal life. So I think I, I live a more normal, like basic common life than, than people who aren't in the music industry. You know? <laughs> but that's because good because you need a little bit of both, though. Yeah, we've you know? been around and we've been around and we've been to super fancy parties in the industry. We've mm-hmm. met a bunch of celebrities. And, and it's not what people think it is. No. You know what I mean, people, those people are just normal like everybody we else sure for the most are. part. So it's not this thing that people think that they see on social media or in the media. Mm-hmm. So it's just regular people, people with insecurities have, and flaws and normal and you know just like everybody else just like any exactly just like anybody else so you know i just i do what fulfills me you know we just came back from from oaxaca we mm-hmm. had a little trip from oaxaca it was so fun and oh. fulfilling and it was great and, and we did it as a band and you know it was, it was fun it was great we had a great time and, and that's what it's all about just having a good time and trying to do good things for for others really and don't get it twisted, y'all, because also will tell you, oh, I couldn't pick up my phone because I was having a personal mental health day. So I was like, yes, <laughs> okay, respect, totally. respect. You got to totally. be with your peeps. You got to do what you have to do. Take a break. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so the last album you recorded, I know you guys are working on a new one. Uh, the date right. is yet to be announced, so look out for that. But the last album you recorded was Amari Bibid, and I had the pleasure and the luck of being part of the behind the scenes of that album. You recorded a live album and did covers of traditional Latin American songs that were really impactful to like generations on generations. And you guys did beautiful renditions of the song, and I think there was one original song on there as well. What did that album mean to you, and why was it important for you to put that out? Man, that album was meant so many things to all of us, but I think it was really important for us to show where we come from. And, and what I mean by that is not only like our culture, but where we come from as musicians, because that's how we learn music. When I, when my dad bought me my first pair of drums, he bought me a, a tape of Julio Jaramillo, and he was like, oh, look at, you know, listen to these boleros. And, and, and you know, this is kind of music is so beautiful. It's so poetic. And, mm-hmm. and so it was such a personal thing that our parents, gave to us like Pepe's dad was very big on them learning how to play the quinto and guitar so that they can kind of stay out of trouble too and also at the same time learn where they came from and, and Marisol was singing at Overstreet Street since she was a little kid you know and, and Alex's parents he, see, he always expresses how important music was in their household and stuff mm-hmm. so before we started La Santa Cecilia we played boleros and we played rancheros that's what we and, and we still do when we hang out we have parties and we get together that's all we do we sing drink eat and have a good time and Jam Sesh USA. 
Yeah, and so these are the songs that these are the songs that we sing when when we hang mm-hmm. out, and these are the songs that we did before La Santa Cecilia. How we how we learn to be musicians, and and we realize now that how important those songs are in forming the way you feel about life and about mm-hmm. love and about your family and stuff. So we wanted to put on that album for for a while, and when Sebastian Chris said, "Hey man, let's do it in Mexico City on the streets, just like you guys used to do here on the streets in LA," mm-hmm. we were like man let's do it and it's such a daunting task to do a live album but because we play live on the street all the time no it's and it was like one take right yeah it was like we would do well no we would do like two or three takes at the most and then we would choose the best one it was honestly like you could not like i swear to god you hear it if you guys watch the videos online you cannot tell that those were recorded live like the sound quality is just amazing. You guys are true musicians. You don't you do not toot your own horn enough because that was a feat to have to do that in the street. Even when you hear like the ambient sound of things going on around you, I think in one of the videos, I want to say it was Leña de Pirul where you hear a lady just kind of laughing in the background or you see her singing <laughs> along. It was it was that was amazing. Yeah, I was, I was talking to my friend about it the other day and he was like he's like, "Yo, dude, was that seriously live?" and I was like, yeah, dude, that was live, man. That was that yeah. was what it was. That's what we recorded. It's an honor for us as, as musicians to be able to say we have that album because I think it's just gonna over time it's gonna continue to become a classic. You know? Oh yeah. And it's such a, it's such an important album for us. I think. Mm-hmm. You know? And you know, Sebastian, that was such a great idea because it it's was. like it was like enhancing your strengths too. You know, because you it's true, you sing live all day or day and people know that that's not an easy thing to do. And you guys did it seamlessly, which was great. And by the way, you also have that connection with people who also who whose parents uh, introduced them to that music, like who also did Oficio Los Sábado, jamming to those types of songs and brought it to a new generation. So I thought that that was pretty cool. We're almost done, but I do, do want to ask what your biggest fear is. My biggest fear? Oh, man. I'm, honestly, I don't know what my biggest fear is. I think, uh, I mean, I obviously, I would be devastated if, like, the band ended tomorrow or something like that, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, for whatever reason. But I don't really think about it like that. I just try to live every day the best I can. And, you know, even if the day is not perfect, even if a bunch of stuff goes wrong, it's just like, I know that I'm doing what I want to be doing. And I think maybe that's my biggest fear, not being able to do what I want. And I think that being able to helps you realize that you have that strength inside of yourself to be able to complete the things that you feel inside of yourself. You know, whatever you have, like a mission or a dream or all these things. Now being on the other side of this where I feel like, man, I'm fulfilling my dream. I don't really feel afraid of that anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Damn. That was beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I just think that, you know, when people, we have so much fear when we aren't doing what we want to do and that's very difficult for some people to understand but now on this now being where i am now it's just, it's not that hard you know what i mean i yeah. mean you got to put up with a lot of stuff and you got to go through a lot of things i'm not saying that but you have to but, anyway in yeah, life exactly so you might exactly. as well be doing what you want to be doing exactly so yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of where my mind is at the craziest song playing on your ipad right now like the most unexpected song that we would be like whoa also like that song get out <laughs> <laughs> man there's a, there's there's some funny ones that i that i like but like right now i'm listening to the quasimodo album called the further adventures of lord quas which is produced by madlib and man there's there's the song that i was listening to today that i love that i love called civilization day but it's a wild album man like dude has like a, an alternate character that he expresses all this crazy stuff through and it's a great album the album's great man quasimodo man the further adventures of lord quas so produced by madlib which is one of the best producers in hip-hop Madlib and music in general. 
been listening to that a lot. I've been listening to the new Trending Topics album, which is uh, Visitante and mm-hmm. Vicente Garcia's album. So yeah. that, I just made like an 80s playlist that I've been listening to. <laughs> Dang. Um, yeah, but I listen to everything across the board, man, you know? like Also, the- you're like a big hip-hop fan. Like, do you rap on the low? Or- <laughs> nope. Just checking. No rapping. Yeah, no, I like everything. I just, I man, I love, I love, love everything. Like my friend sent me this crazy album mm-hmm. where it's just like you know, just instrumental stuff, and I don't know. I just, I, I flip out on all kinds of music, really. Yeah, that's like an eclectic bunch you just mentioned right there. Yeah, I've been also listening to SWV. Remember that group? Oh! Do I remember that group? I'm just asking. I'm, I've been listening to that. Don't I, make I'm me just... break out in song right now mid-podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but my, my strongest thing that I've been for the last year is just soul music. A lot of Marvin Gaye. Um, I have this really cool uh, soul uh, playlist that I listen to. That I could, I could send it to you so you can check it out. But Please. Yeah, that's all. I've been listening to a lot of that mostly. Like my brother used to tell me, I've been through too much stuff in my life to waste it on bad music. That should be on a bumper sticker. My brother used to say Your that. Your brother should get time. paid. My brother's a G, man. That dude's crazy. Who do you want to make the proudest? Honestly, for me, I, I want to make music proudest. Like, I don't want to make anybody proud. I just want to make music proud. Oh, so don't say no deep shit like that. I, I want to make quite, music proud. I want to make music proud. I do. I want to make music proud. I want. It's why our band's called La Santa Cecilia. She's a patron saint of musician. So, like, my music is music. I'm not, I'm not out to impress people or make someone proud. I just want to make, I want to do justice to music. Mm, uh, you are dropping the LBs out here. Like, I see you one day and you're like one way and then I see you the next day and it's like, are you there? Are you there? You're disappearing right before our eyes. What's oh, happening God, here? Oh my God. Stop, man, stop just... also. Don't lie. Don't lie to the people listening to the <laughs> podcast. Say the truth. Uh, you skinny I'm, now. I'm good. No, no way. I'm in, I'm in a good place in my life. I just, you know, I I got out of a lot of, I, I think I left behind the crazy part of my life and, you know, I'm in a good relationship and oh, feel okay. great. And so I think it's just, it's just, a, you know, a lot of times you carry around a lot of emotional baggage, mm-hmm. a lot of things that are weigh, like weighing you down they, and they end up weighing you down physically too, you know? Ooh, so, doesn't it make you want to eat? <laughs> oh, you go through a bad moment in your life. You open that fridge so quick, don't you? It's hard. <laughs> Well, congratulations because you are succeeding. I'm looking at these pictures on Instagram. You know me, nosy as hell. Wait, hold on now. <laughs> that is not the same also. Let me scroll. Oh, yep, great. Crazy. <laughs> but that's so amazing. I'm so happy to see you happy and in a happy relationship and just happy about your life. Like, that's amazing. I am so happy for you. Um, oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, that's all I got for you today. I just, um, honestly, like, thank you so much for taking the time out because I know that I bother you guys already with a gajillion and one things. <laughs> and for you to do this for me, like, it really touched my core zone. So oh, thank you thanks. so much. Also, you're the bomb.com. New music coming soon because it's in the works, right? Yeah, we're so excited. I can't wait to get, you know, back in the studio and, and working on that. It's going to happen really soon. Woo! Ooh! Last question. It could be a one-word answer. Yeah. Dream collaboration. Uh, someone you haven't already worked with. Oh, man. That is, that is so 
that's such a difficult thing to answer. Actually, it's probably the most difficult question because so many people that I love to work with, but like someone who really, who I really get into, and I feel like, man, that the artist is really doing stuff would be like Kendrick Lamar. Ooh, stop! I would die. <laughs> like I would yeah. fully I die. Think that dude just do it. That guy's just one of those guys of our generation who's still who's who's got something special. Mm-hmm. Something special. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yup. Yup. Sure do. Uh, anywho, thank you. Also, maybe when you're here uh, in Wisconsin, because you guys do a lot of touring. Uh, we can eat some cheese curds, or when I'm there, we could go back to eat some Korean barbecue and chop it on up. I'm so into it. Let's do it. To, we'll, see, um, we'll see you soon for sure, I'm sure. Woo! Alrighty then. Toodaloo also. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes. Bye. Bye.